This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host is my trusty service dog, Whistle. And we're thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today, our special guest is Kat Urbakite. And Kat is a writer and photographer, and she also keeps a flock of sheep in the Green River Basin area south of Yellowstone National Park. So gorgeous up there. And Kat is going to visit with us today about her latest book, Shepherds of Coyote Rocks, Public Lands, Private Herds, and the Natural World. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome Kat to the show. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Hello, Kat, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Marcy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so excited that you could be with us today. And I'm excited as well, and I have to warn you right now that I have a 130-pound guard dog sleeping under my feet behind my desk here. So if you hear snoring, it's, I will still be awake. It's just my assistant this morning. Yeah, well, I have to tell you, I have a 70-pound assistant under my desk right now, Whistle. So they both may be snoring. <laughs> Very good. We keep good company. Yes, we do. Well, tell us, how did you learn to practice the ancient tradition of sheep herding in Wyoming? You know, I uh, I was actually a newspaper reporter, and I was doing stories, writing interviews about a, a sheep producer that, that was running about 3,000 head of sheep in three different bands in the National Forest area above Pinedale, Wyoming. And um, this family that, that runs sheep up there was having a lot of problems with both wolves and grizzly bears in coming into their sheep herds and killing sheep, but they had started using livestock protection dogs or livestock guardian dogs to guard the herds from these large carnivores, these big predators. And uh, the dogs were amazingly effective. So anyway, that family eventually gave me some bum lambs. So I got to start with little orphan lambs that I had to bottle feed. And of course, once I started my own herd, then I had to get the livestock protection dogs to help take care of them. So Yeah, and how did you go about getting those dogs? 
actually, my first livestock protection dog was a gift. It was a pup that was given to me by a friend of mine, another sheep producer. And I was pretty fortunate. His family had been using the dogs for about 30 years here in Wyoming. So they were actually really some of the first ones that were using them. And so my pup came out of a, a good working lineage. You know, it, it wasn't registered or anything like that, but absolutely years of experience in those bloodlines there. So Yeah. And tell us again, what kind of dog did you call that cat? Well, they're called either livestock protection dogs or livestock guardian dogs, either one. But the breeds that, that we use, we mostly use the Turkish Akbash or the Central Asian Avcharka. And the reason why we're using those dogs, I mean, I think many people will be familiar, of course, with the Great Pyrenees dog. That's another livestock protection dog. And we actually use livestock or the Pyrenees dogs here with our herd early on when we started. But our dogs were getting so many predators coming in that we really wanted kind of a more aggressive dog. So we went to a little more athletic and aggressive dog, especially we have bears and wolves that try to get into our herd. So our dogs have to have to really be athletic and and wanting to do their job and be somewhat aggressive. So these dogs are fabulous. Yeah, because on the cover of your book, which is a beautiful photograph, I was wondering if that was a Great Pyrenees that was on the cover. Actually, that's one of the Akbosh dogs. The Akbosh dogs are actually, a, some of them are really look somewhat similar to the Pyrenees dogs, but they're not usually built as thick and they're a little more athletic. You know, they're mm-hmm. kind of more cut in the flank, like they're more suited to run. Um, yeah. That kind of yeah. yeah. It looks like a really athletic dog on the cover, which is beautiful. Which one is that one on the cover? The one that's on the cover is actually Love's Girl. She's actually um, almost, well, she'll be nine years old this year. And she has been working her entire life out on the Wyoming rangelands. And uh, she's outside with the herd today. So, And her, her daughter is the one who's uh, snoring under my feet here. So, <laughs> And which one is that one? The one that's snoring under my feet yeah, is yeah. Rena. Is Rena? So, okay. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Uh, Rena was the runt of the litter, so of course she ended up growing up to be this huge beast. <laughs> you know, <laughs> as often happens when you have a when you have a runt and you take it out of the litter to give it a little more attention, uh, they recover very nicely. Yeah. Well, <laughs> tell us about about some of the tasks that they have to do. I mean, how did you get them from puppies to actually being able to guard the herd? Well, you know, fortunately, um, these dogs have been bred for thousands and thousands of years in, uh, in places like Central Asia and in Europe to guard other animals, livestock species. And it doesn't matter. I mean, I, it was great. I got to go to travel throughout a bunch of Europe and Central Asia and actually saw the guard dogs in use. They were guarding um, herds of horses, cattle, um, you know, there were cattle herds in Spain, sheep and goat herds in Bulgaria, and actually flocks of turkeys and chickens as well. So you can bond them quite easily um, to whatever species it is that you want to have guarded. And, and with us, it was, it was great. I had some baby lambs at the same time that I, that I got my first pup. So I just pretty much started bedding them all down together. The dogs are naturally attracted and curious about, about the lambs. And uh, they just grow up side by side and develop in a, such a close attachment. And, and now whenever we happen to, to raise a, a litter of pups, what we do is um, as soon as the, as the mother dog goes into wherever she's going to have the pups, we usually line that natal den with, uh, with wool that we've sheared off of our sheep. So, so there's actually, the puppies are actually bedded in that soft wool and they're getting the smell of the sheep and everything before their eyes ever open. So, you know, they, um, when they actually go out and meet a sheep for the first time, 
just in a matter of weeks, they're already a, associating a, those live sheep with that wonderful smell and comfort of the natal den. So uh-huh. it's it's kind of a it's a natural process that is really we're you know we're not doing anything new we're just following along with things that people who live in close association with with livestock and their dogs that they've done it for thousands of years. That's so beautiful. I mean, and that makes so much sense to really get them to marry and have a life together and to understand the importance of of each other. That's so beautiful. You know, it, it really is. It, it is an absolutely beautiful relationship, and I, I am so fortunate. I get to see that relationship every day, and I am always stunned by how beautiful the relationship is. I mean, it's it's great. It's a cute thing to see a puppy um, go up and lick a lamb nose, you know, but then to see those animals and grow up together and, and become adult, uh, productive, working partners is just amazing. You know, yeah. these these dogs, they're so gentle, even with the, with the baby lambs, even as adult dogs, and yet they um, are so determined in protecting them and keeping any anything that might threaten the herd out of the herd, you know, so it's, uh, they're really amazing animals. Yeah, well, it seems like, it, you know, we think of nature as being so beautiful and serene, but actually it, it's very aggressive and, and there's that food chain, you know, and so um, it does seem like it's a very difficult and challenging job that they have to be on on the job 24 hours a day. How do they work like that? What is their work schedule? You know, the, most of the time, you know, the dogs are very busy at night. They patrol all night long because, of course, there's danger in the dark. And what they do, and it's funny, I probably cannot sleep unless I have the that deep, booming bark of a big guard dog outside. I mean, <laughs> I need to hear that in order to be able to sleep because, you know, I know that they're on duty. And so they, they work all night long, and they're... Usually the most dangerous part of the day, of course, is dusk and dawn. That's when predators try to come into the herd. And our herd in the area where we live, coyotes are really our constant predator that, I mean, I see coyotes out here every day. Coyotes try to get into the herd. The dogs are usually can intimidate the coyotes to stay away just by simply racing up towards them or chasing them with those deep barks. And these are very large dogs. You know, the coyotes are maybe 30 pounds, and Rena, my biggest dog here, is 130 pounds. So, you know, there's the dogs are absolutely intimidating, and, and they know that. But sometimes the dogs actually get into fights with whatever the predator is, physical confrontation. And, uh, and they will absolutely fight to the death if they have to in order to keep the predator out of the herd. I mean, they, they do not give up. It's it's a pretty amazing thing. But, you know, and then most of the time during the kind of the, the main part of the day, the dogs are usually just out sleeping on a hillside where they can see the sheep or else they're sleeping in the middle of the sheep. So, you know, a lot of people, when they when they see these live, these big sheep dogs out with the sheep, they're going, well, what are those dogs doing? They're just laying there. Well, that's, that's what they need to do. They need to be present and, uh, you know, they can snooze all they want during the day because they're, uh, they have very active night lives. Yeah. Well, I know that's what people tell me about Whistle. They're like, oh, he's sleeping, but he's always sleeping with one eye open. And he's always watching me to see if I need anything. So I can only imagine how they're really on duty, even though they are supposedly resting. Yes. And, you know, we're about to start our busiest time. We start lambing. Our, our youth will start giving birth in mid-May. And um, that is really when the dogs prove their worth time and time again because, um, you know, just um, we lamb out on the range. So the sheep are out in the, in the sagebrush and they're finding their own spots to, to give birth and giving birth to these. You know, a baby lamb is a tiny thing, maybe an eight-pound 
things. They're very, you know, it would be very dangerous time for them, especially their first 24 hours or so of life while they're really getting their legs under them and learning how to use them and, and, you know, before they're able to travel with the herd very well. So, but our guard dogs stay out and as soon as a ewe goes into labor, one of the dogs will lay down with the ewe and watch over her and often the dogs will actually keep their backs to the ewe so that the ewe won't feel that she's being watched you know but they'll just be that constant presence there as the as the ewe is giving birth and then as the lamb is born and then uh, our dogs also clean up the birth fluids or the birthing material that that's left on the ground which of course would be a really major uh, predator attractant Mm-hmm. So they actually um, they have a, another role there in kind of keeping our, our pastures cleaned up from the pred- you know from predator attractants. So and then they my dogs if a lamb gets separated if the herd gets up to move off one of the dogs will will lay there with a lamb that is uh, sleeping too soundly you know that gets left behind and the dog will stay with the lamb until I either come and find the dog or the dog will try to get the lamb to follow it back to the herd. So. It's amazing that the things that they naturally know how to do. That's so awesome. And how many dogs do you have? Four herding have, dogs? Yes, we have four of the, of the guard dogs working, yes. Okay. And how big is the herd? About 300 head of you. So, and it really varies as to how many of these guardian dogs a, a sheep flock will need. I mean, if you've got a small farm where, the, where there's, you know, kind of secure pastures, you could perhaps get by with one dog with up to 100 head of sheep or something. But, you know, I've, uh, I have neighbors here that are migratory sheep operations that have a 1,000 head of ewes in each one of their flocks. And they use, you know, anywhere from four to eight or ten guardian dogs with any one of those herds because of the number of predators that they encounter, you know, and the, and the types of predators that they encounter. With, we're really fortunate to live in, in western Wyoming we have we're blessed with abundant wildlife populations and of course along with that we have expanding predator populations and that includes you know mountain lions black bears grizzly bears wolves and each one of those things i mean we don't have frequent problems with them but we we have encounters with all of them and so those the guardian dogs you know you really need a, a lot of them in some cases to uh, to keep your herd safe and uh besides being pleasant to live with i mean they're really <laughs> what keep our herd um intact and you know make it economically viable for us yeah they're a necessity there's no question of that the best tool that we have <laughs> yeah yeah our guardian dogs so yeah Well, we are going to take just a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors. And we're going to come back and continue visiting with Kat Urbekite. So come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Ladies 
Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. We're visiting today with Pat Erbegeit, and she's talking to us about her amazing guardian dogs and how they work with her as a herder, as a sheep herder. Kat, do you do this full time now? You know, it's funny. I'm a writer full time, but I, I write from my house here, so I am with the sheep every day. And I uh, part of my writing includes if I'm going out with the sheep, sometimes I'll throw the laptop in the truck and, and work on my next book <laughs> in the truck <laughs> while I'm watching over my sheep. So, That's um, perfect. Yeah, perfect so I, you know, I, stay, I stay with them every day. Yeah. Well, you said in the book that being a shepherd had become part of your identity. Can you explain what you meant by that? You know, it's a wonderful thing when you when you develop a working, an actual working relationship with animals. And I feel like I actually, I have a partnership with my sheep herd and, and the livestock guardian dogs that tend to them. At this point, I can't imagine really doing anything else. I, I guess I feel that animals are good for your soul, and, and these animals are certainly good for my soul. Yeah, well, so I can certainly relate to that and appreciate that. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, and it just sounds like, you know, as you were saying earlier, that they're just such a necessity in order to protect the herd and and to enable you to shepherd that herd effectively, because without them, it would just, they'd be too vulnerable. They couldn't survive. Right. You know, and it's just, I believe that there's been some research that's shown that that people that have gone from just having sheep herds without livestock protection dogs and then to getting livestock protection dogs and having them working with their herds, their losses to predators are decreased by as high as 80%. I mean, that is a substantial percentage that would have impact your bottom line, you know. And, and to tell you the truth, our losses to predators, even in the area where I live and where we have so many predators, our losses are almost nothing because of the livestock protection dogs. That's wonderful. Well, that is so significant. Yeah, you cannot deny 80%. I mean, that's huge. And like you said, it really impacts your bottom line, which it is a business. It is a business. You know, and the thing is, is these dogs, like I mentioned earlier, they're absolutely pleasant animals to live with. So, um, of course, they're very, by the very nature of, uh, of the work that they do and, and their breeding, they're very independent thinkers, though. So sometimes the dogs and I will have a disagreement about what should be <laughs> happening. Um, and, but, you know, the way that it works is I try to influence them, but they have a vote as well, you know, so um, because they are are out there with the herd 24 hours a day year round I mean even when it's a blizzard outside and it's frigid temperatures you know are wool sheep so they're covered with beautiful wool coats but um the dogs want to be with their sheep they don't want to come into the buildings here at the ranch they're out there all the time in the elements so wow what's their life expectancy you know, I think for a lot of the dogs, of course, the the larger breed of dogs seem to have uh, a shorter lifespan in the in the first place. But I think for a lot of working livestock protection dogs, it's probably going to be from like five to eight years. So it's a it's relatively short, but um, it's a very vigorous life that they lead, and the hazards to their lives are are substantial. And and every day, I mean, I've had a moose kick a dog in the chest and break its sternum and you know and there's every year we have uh, other producers here that that have dogs that are killed by wolves while they're in the process of protecting their herds 
you know. Yeah, I was wondering about that and what you do in the middle of the night when you do hear that, that they are getting into some kind of violent activity with predators. What do you do? Well, when I can hear that there's, it's more than just the, the routine warning barks, that there's actually a conflict. Of course, I try to go out and see what's happening and, and, uh, usually using a truck with spotlights so that I can see and, and usually that is enough to disrupt whatever is happening. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, but in, in reality, when things are happening during the night, it's not like you can really go out with a gun and attempt to shoot something, you know, because it's too dangerous. You don't want to shoot your dog. You don't want to shoot any, right. any of it, you know. So really just making noise and, and shining light is usually usually enough to uh, shut whatever the activity is down. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, well, that's yeah. what I was wondering, how you responded to support them. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, those are then for the rest of the night, it's quite sleepless nights, and I... You know, I have, uh, I've spent plenty of nights sleeping in the middle of, of my herd as well. So, you know, that's just part of the life as well. So, Yeah, yeah. Well, and you also write a blog, Wolf Watch? Yeah, that's actually, it's kind of a, a wolf news site on just different things that are happening kind of on the ground with wolves. So, yeah, I, um, I've been doing that for quite a long time. Just, uh, you know, people like to have information about wolves and different wolf packs and the things that are going on. So... I somewhat neglect my blog. I only get to it a a couple of times a week. But, yeah, I try to keep current news things posted on there. That's great. And you contribute to another blog, too, right? A nature blog? Yeah. Steve Bodio is a great nature writer out of uh, New Mexico. And um, he has a blog that there's uh, four of us are contributing writers. And um, there's a lot of information on there about, well, one of Steve's a falconer. I'm another one of the contributing writers is a falconer. Another is an archaeologist. And then I am the, the Wyoming rancher. So it's uh, <laughs> kind of all, all about people who live in, and work in the outdoors uh, doing various things. So it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty varied, the things that we write about. But, yeah, it's, it's been a fun blog to do, so... Yeah. Well, how would our listeners access those blogs? Okay. www.catcaturbigkit.com, caturbigkit.com. And that'll take you to my website. And you can find all the links that you need there to everything that I'm writing for, as well as the links of, to uh, some of my books. Oh, great. Well, we'll be sure and include that on our site so that our listeners can access that. And you also participated in a PBS program. Yeah, I was pretty thrilled just within the last month or so. The Wyoming PBS asked me to come in and do an interview. It's a half-hour interview on Wyoming Chronicle is what it's called. And they, they had me on to talk about living with these dogs and the sheep and the fact that I write books based on everything that I see and do here on the Wyoming Sheep Ranch. So it was an absolute pleasure to uh, have the opportunity to go on and do that. So Yeah, PBS. I know that's when you have arrived as a serious, <laughs> <laughs> serious whatever well, profession you're in. It's when you get to be on PBS. <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, I was fortunate. I also got to be on uh, National Public Radio, All Things Considered, a few years ago. Uh, and I actually had an NPR guy came out and spent uh, some time with me here on the ranch. And it was funny. We went to check the sheep in my sheep camp. And I had a, a litter of 10 of these guard dog puppies that had just had an encounter with a porcupine. <laughs> so, 
um, Jeff Brady <laughs> with National Public Radio was very patient with me because it's like, excuse me, but I have to drop dead on the ground and catch each one of these dogs and pull these quills out right now. <laughs> so yeah. It was great. It was actually part of his program was the, the sound of me cooing to the pups as they whined as I pulled the quills out of them. <laughs> you know, that's, again, that's part of the learning process for these pups. Um, some of them yeah. learn better than others. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the reality of your job. You have to really, you can't wait. You have to address it right then. Yeah, so and that's, um, you know, it's, it's funny. We make plans about things, you know, I, I make plans about what it is I'm going to do today. And then I go outside with the animals and then find out what it is I'm really going to do that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I know that in the book you talk about the impact of environmental protection policies that block off land from its traditional human uses. And tell us, Kat, what you learned about that through your work as a shepherd. Well, you know, it, it all started really from going out and walking with the sheep and dogs and realizing that reflecting as I'm doing that, that people have done this for thousands of years all over the world. That as I as I walk through the sagebrush here in Wyoming and I reach my hand down and, and pet a dog's head as it's walking next to me or have the dog come up and, and lean against my leg as I'm walking, you know, that there are thousands of years of breeding that, is, that have gone into that. And so I started doing some research about the, really, the countries of origin where these dogs came from. And especially in, in Central Asia, I mean, they, it's been thousands and thousands of years and these people that have lived in such close association with their livestock and guardian dogs. And then I started reading about them now that there are, you know, it's just like, oh, I think it was probably a week or so ago, I see that the Maasai cattlemen, that they're having more areas that they're blocked from because really ecotourism has become such a very popular thing that the native people and their traditions are being locked out of their traditional lands. That these, you know, that these lands are being set aside as reserves or national wildlife areas for tourists to come and enjoy and and not the native people that have relied on that for their subsistence living for years. And, and as I was doing research on the book, I, I found that that was really happening all over the place. And, of course, here in the Rocky Mountains where I live, I see every once in a while I'll, I'll see this press release come through or a newspaper account of, well, this livestock allotment has been closed to livestock grazing so that it can be set aside for use as a, you know, for grizzly bears or something. And it's, so it's the same type of thing that we have people that have, you know, lived with livestock and, and especially in, in range conditions here like we have in the, in the western United States, that, you know, people move with the seasons with their livestock. And um, it seems like we're shutting down more and more places instead of keeping them open to a variety of uses. And I hate to see the, the loss of these traditions, even if the traditions are only, you know, in the United States, only a couple of hundred years old. So Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, we think that we're protecting it by making it, you know, supposedly protected. But like you said, it, it, it keeps it from a variety of uses and knowing what those uses are and how they impact the ecosystem and how we function, I think, is really important. That's been one of the great things about actually being out um, on the range with the sheep and dogs is that it's kind of funny to me. Sage grouse are a species that they're talking about. You know, there's, there's concern about perhaps they should be listed as an endangered species or something. And the areas where my sheep and, and dogs are, the, the sage grouse have pretty well figured out that they're safe from coyotes or something. So we actually have thriving grouse populations where the sheep are, where the sheep are grazing with their livestock protection dogs because our dogs actually will push the coyotes out of an area. 
you know, and, and so that the coyotes are not then preying on the, on the sage grouse or their nest. So, and it's, it's the same kind of thing that we have, um, we have a lot of pronghorn antelope where we're at as well. And, and it's always a joy to me to see the, the little does come into my herd and they, they kind of stay right at the outskirts of my herd, but they'll come in when they're ready to give birth. And uh, because that's a kind of the buffer area around my sheep is, is protected. You know, my dogs are going to keep the coyotes out of there so the antelope fawns are under, you know, a lot less danger. Yeah, well, I'm sure they feel much safer there, and they've been watching, so they know how much your guardian dogs are really guarding those animals, and I'm sure they feel that and appreciate and, that. Yeah. And my guardian dogs just look at the antelope, and they don't really care. It's like they, they understand that these animals are no threat. There's no no reason to get excited about them, although, uh, <laughs> although they watch them run. <laughs> You know, the, they watch the antelope run just as I do. You know, those those are amazing animals to watch. So Yeah, they are gorgeous. They are. Well, are you working on another book now? I know this one's just come out, but are you thinking about your next book? Yes, I'm thinking about my next several books. I actually have um, a contract for my next book. Will, it will come out in the fall of 2014, and it's actually called When Man Becomes Prey, and it's based on... Uh, five North American predator species and, and kind of uh, the way that they're managed and some of the attacks that have occurred on humans and some of the animal behavior issues that indicated that some of those attacks were, were going to happen or that there was an elevated risk of attack. So so that's the book that I'm working on at the moment, but uh, I am determined to write another livestock protection dog book after that. Oh, and good. <laughs> and, it, and it won't really be a how-to book or anything like that, but more of stories and photographs of, of good livestock protection dogs that I've known over the years and just yeah. kind of tell some of their their stories and, and help to share really what heroes these dogs are. I mean, they have my absolute adoration. They're amazing animals, and I feel like I am so lucky to get to live with them on a on a day-to-day basis, and I'd love to, you know, share that with others. Well, you are, Kat. They sound amazing, and thank you for educating us about them, and we look forward to, to many books from you. You'll have to come back and visit with us again. Great. I would sure love to, Marcy. Well, thank you so much, and thank you to our listeners. As always, our time goes by too fast, but we're glad you could be with us, and we're so glad that Kat joined us today to talk about her amazing livestock protection dogs and if you want more information about cat don't forget about her website and i'll say it one more time it's www.caturbigkit.com and we'll definitely have that information for you on our website and we hope that you'll come back and join us again soon and you can also follow me and whistle on our blog workinglikedogs.com and keep those emails coming. We love to hear from you. And you can email us at Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. So thanks so much and take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>